0: Cast, um, a very, very late golf cast. Sorry about that, but you know, things happen. I'm here with my co host, Brian Agara.
1: Hello,
0: and today we have a very special guest. Um, I'm going to do my best to pronounce your name, Zogawiros tacos Did <laughs> I do good?
2: I mean, it works. I'll, I'll go over it so. <laughs> No, it's funny on every single, like, platform, people are like, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it. I've gotten Selgueros, like, where does the soft G come in? No, it's, uh, Selgueros, Caranthos, Kytakos, but, like, everyone else, um, everyone shortens it to Selg, and that's totally fine, so.
1: Because that is how we can pronounce it.
2: Yeah. And I it generally
1: looks like your last name says cat tacos. I just need you to know that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably doesn't have the "i" in there.
1: C-A-I-T-A-C-A-S. Oh There it is. Yep. Yeah. But it looks like it says cat
0: tacos. <laughs> <laughs> uh quick little correction. Someone, um, gave me a little heads up from our last podcast where I said that, uh, Caesar was the one that was talking about the, uh, um sacrificial stuff you know um i was wrong that was not caesar that was um lucan Lycan, whatever his name is so oh yeah my bad yep. my
2: bad yeah
0: i yep. uh, i'm not perfect
2: no it, it's kind of hard to take um like take a hold of all that stuff just because like people are borrowing from different ethnographers half the time and you know it just kind of jumbles up over time like i'm not good with dates you know mm. Yeah. so me either like some days i'll be like "Did kaiser say this or did fucking cicero or i don't know google was it, that was it Levy? So, was
0: it plutarch i don't even know anymore
2: right it all it almost always boils down to is poseidon Aeos and everyone's copying it so whatever because <laughs> you know he, kaiser did he, he basically um copied a lot of poseidon Aeos and um you know some of this stuff isn't necessarily beside but a lot of it is so it's like whatever but
0: yeah it's kind of like when we um when we had uh around grandfather fire on and um talking about how ta- I think it was that was the episode where uh Tacitus probably wasn't even there firsthand to record some of the oh stuff, no he, so. he
2: definitely wasn't yeah
1: <laughs> all right so but this anyway. episode we are gonna talk about Ancestor Worship and Heroes. Um, we combined those two because we have the Oh My God series, which is part one, part two, and part three. Last month, or last episode, we did the gods. Um, this episode, we're doing Ancestor Worship and Heroes. Uh, and that is why we brought on Selv. I don't know if you're on oh, that side of yeah. me, but you might be on that side. Well, on <laughs>
0: my screen, he's right there. Um, <laughs> it's on my screen.
1: Up, maybe. Uh, And he's going to go ahead and talk to us about uh, Ancestor Worship Heroes and his experience with them, um, because I am super new to it and still uh, avoiding a lot of it uh, like a terrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is definitely not something that in my 20 years as a polytheist I ever dipped my toe in until like the last...
0: Seriously, the last six months oh yeah no i it's something i'm just kind of dipping my toesies into now with uh with a project i'm working on but anyway take it away selg
2: sure i mean to start you know it's it's pretty understandable um that not a lot of people who just come into polytheism don't really um go to the ancestor worship route right away Uh, especially what with um you know the more we become aware of uh, systemic racism and things like that because who wants to worship people who were incredibly flawed over time? I mean, a lot of people in the West, you know, have that that connection to a heritage where it does have an ugly side, specifically like slave ownership or, you know, genocide, things like that. So I, I totally get why people don't go that route right away but you know uh ancestor worship also doesn't include doesn't just include necessarily your uh blood relation things of that nature and that's kind of been a hullabaloo as of late especially on tiktok where people have been uh trying to get people to ancestor work and things like that for spiritual healing but it's also like it's a it's a weird situation because people are encouraging people to go through their their family history and uh, do this sort of work. But it's also like, well, if you want to cut toxic people out of your life, like in the mortal plane, you should have that option and because we encourage that often. So it's also like we should be able to do that on the spiritual plane as well. hmm. So if you're not comfortable with working with some ancestors or worshiping some ancestors, I honestly don't blame anyone. So I I generally put the caveat out there that if you don't want to worship some ancestors, but some of your ancestors, I mean, that's totally cool. You you don't have to treat it like a package deal. No one is Mm -hmm. forced to do any of that. So for my own ancestor worship, I don't worship, um, anyone past a certain, uh, you know, uh, pre-Christian point. Like once it's, once we get into Christianity, there are a lot of polytheists who do worship Christian ancestors and also try to interact with them. I don't mainly for, um, well, respect uh, purposes, like my great grandmother should have made it on my shrine by a lot of polytheistic homes, but she, uh, was very heavily, Uh, Lutheran. So I want to respect that. And in fact, I even asked uh, Epina what the night uh, that she passed to please bring her to my great grandfather, John, and wherever he is. And I don't go after specific ancestors like that. So for my stuff, I'll go towards, uh, you know, the old bell guy or the bull guy. So That's who I'm aiming for. And whenever I ask, I'll I'll put out a blanket statement. Like if any of my ancestors, blood related, want to come in, this includes Christians. They are more than welcome to hang out if they want. I'm not talking directly to to them. It's different. You know, it's a, it's a different target audience, but if they want to show up, that's totally cool. I
1: am. I have a, I have two different ancestor altars. I have one that is, uh, I grew up in Northern California in a, in a town that was very migrant worker Um, mm-hmm. and so I had a lot of exposure to, um, to Mexican culture. So I have a Dia de los Muertos altar in my, oh, that's cool. In my, awesome. um, oh my God, I'm sorry. My words are just not working today dining room there That's what it is. if that one has like stuff for my dad my grandmother um my other grandmother pe- my partner's uh, mother things like that and my dog yeah. um <laughs> uh, and that's where I put anything that's going to be uh anybody that's going to be um into uh, any christian right. christian ancestors and then I have my other ancestor altar, which has, which is for my Mm. non-Christian ancestors. And that's the one that I do active worship with. Um, And I have active interactions with them. The one in there is um, more memorial. I don't reach out to those ancestors, mostly because I'm almost positive that if I try to, I'm gonna have some sort of absolute meltdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm definitely not prepared for that lecture from my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like it's just i'm good thanks (laughs) so they have their own altar and dia de muertas is um strongly rooted in christianity and and Mm. stuff like that so that's that's where that one lives and then this one is my um it's not specifically gaulish by any stretch of the imagination uh, because I come from a, a var- varietal background <laughs> it's it's just kind of all of
2: them <laughs>
0: yeah I mean, my my, um, my altar I uh I have a uh, on one second let me see if i gonna reach it uh, so a um kind of hero and ancestor I just mean someone uh because I'm, I'm primarily Swiss someone who is um heavily rooted in, in swiss, swiss history is uh divico here oh yeah so he's part he's part of my hero slash ancestor corner mm-hmm. of my altar um, he looks mad <laughs> well they the only other picture of him that exists he looks pretty mad so um <laughs> where he's talking to caesar so um understandable uh anyway uh I never thought about separating based on if your ancestors were Christian or not. That's something I need to really like look into. Um, like my, like my, my dad, I, uh, he always referred to himself as a retired Catholic. Cause he comes from a <laughs> long line retired of Swiss Catholics. German Catholics. Yeah. Uh, he comes from a long line of Swiss German Catholics and let's just say him and my grandfather who was very strict did not get along. So as soon as my dad moved out, he basically wanted nothing to do with religion. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting facet I didn't even think about. Uh, um, for it,
1: me, it's a degree of separation. Um, my family is, my dad's side of the family is non-denominational Christian. Um, my mother's side of the family is uh, Russian Orthodox, because they're Russian. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> uh, my grandmother was born in Russia in like 1912 um and then my partner's family um on his mother's side his mother converted over to judaism to marry my partner's father but she grew up catholic very she was born in spain catholic so i'm like i'm just gonna for my brain's ease of being able to function we're just gonna
0: those guys over there? <laughs> I mean, my, my mom's side is primarily Lutheran. Um, my dad's side is kind of a hodgepodge of different religions. I have a Mormon sister, a lot of Catholics. I have a whole branch of my family that's Pentecostal, and that's the, as you put it earlier, so that's the kind of part of my family I want to disassociate from because right. they are batshit crazy.
2: Right. Yeah, the like I said, the, the separation... Uh, is mostly just out of respect for uh, the dead because I don't want to tear them away from their afterlife especially for something that they might consider um, apostasy or you know heresy things like that because you know a lot of us in the polytheist theological scope or community uh, we do acknowledge that the Christian God is real you know so it's like you know, I definitely don't want to step on toes. That's really about it. But yeah, that, that that's the methods of my madness. I'm just like, if you guys want to come, the invite's there, but you're not, you're not obligated, you know, so.
1: Can I just say that whatever piece of art is behind you is so pretty and it's so distracting.
2: <laughs> oh, the, uh, yeah, Sarah has been doing all the decorating in the house and yeah, we've had this for um since we've actually been dating, uh, we used to live in a in a basement and she used to have this down there and I like it. She she wanted to throw it away at one point in time, but I was like, oh, I like this. So and it's just it like, looks a, like a wing. Yeah, no, she she loves bird wings too. She's got a few tattoos about it. So maybe that's subconsciously why she
1: kept it.
0: Wings. Ooh.
2: But yeah, I no, love my our,
1: shoulders to my hips.
2: But yeah, we have a butt some of art all over.
1: Nice.
2: Um, there's my, my ancestor shrine right
1: there. Nice. Awesome. Mine's directly behind me. Or well, behind my camera. Across <laughs> the room, literally directly behind me. <laughs> so if I do this, I can see it. <laughs> so what has your experience been like with ancestor worship um as a as a as a college polytheist?
2: Um, honestly, the, uh, the experiences I've had have been, uh, very welcoming in regards to like how I approach it. Uh, sometimes it, it happens that, you know, I mean, we all get lazy sometimes, unfortunately. So a lot of the, uh, the routine might be, uh, interrupted, but like, you never give up. So, you know, you always come back to it. And you always make the apology like, hey, I'm sorry. I haven't been here in a while. But, you know, each and every time that I've, I've gone back, they've been like, no, stay. We want you to stay, you know, stay with us for a while. Talk with us. And I always, you know, again, with all these hiatuses that do happen, I do feel bad. So I just, you know, I try to be as diligent as I can with my daily stuff. Uh, so far, I've been uh using purified water rather than coffee uh because i haven't had a lot of ground coffee lately so purified water and incense and then just out the door if i need to make a really quick offering if i recall bruno correctly What he says is that there's no direct attestation to ancestor cults, but that they surely, these are his words, by the way, they surely must have had it um, just because, again, the Indo-European theory, and um, they were in uh, contact with the Greeks and Romans, so cultural diffusion probably would have happened. But he does relate the cult of the head to possible ancestor cults which is what you're referring to, um, you know, cutting off heads um, and dipping them in resin. But uh, he also goes over, I think, an instance or two where there have been chests uh, found with skulls. You know what? Here, give me a second. I'm going to go find the entry because it's it's one of my, you know, go to books. Be right back.
0: While I'm next to the pantry, I might as well grab me a soda. (laughs) While you're hiding in
2: the kitchen. And we're back. I just got to find a page. There we go. That was the page that I thought it was. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Yeah, so for now, right here remarks, according to Diodorus, the Gauls treasured above all the heads, the, uh, all the heads of their most illustrious enemies and mummified them by embalming them in cedar oil. They kept them in chests inside their house uh, and would not surrender them to anyone, not even for their weight of gold. This text in Strabo's compilation revealed that these relics were heirlooms passed on from father to son. So Let's see, where's the other thing I was talking about? I hmm. could have swore there was like something he found besides the, uh, the stuff in Cornet. Hmm. But yeah, that's what he says about uh, the cult of the head and ancestor cults, essentially. So there's no direct attestation, but they probably had it. Um, yeah. And then you have the, uh, Ribemont, um, sanctuary, you know, the, the cool sanctuary with the pillars of, uh, with the skulls in it. You've seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's also another, um, instance of, uh, you know, the cult of the head in action. So it could be that those skulls were actually, um, uh, you know sacrifices or enemies of um certain tribes that they just stuck in there to protect the, the sanctuary they could have been dead ancestors previous priests things of that nature we obviously don't but you know the cult of the head does have a presence in uh, archaeology so let's see if i can find i thought there was a picture of the sanctuary one of these days I will bookmark all the important stuff in this book.
1: <laughs>
0: well, uh, there was a documentary I was watching where I think there was like a, oh man, I'm trying not to mix up thoughts in my head uh, but I think there was a mass grave found in like Austria that had a bunch of uh, Headless bodies in which I think feeds into the the cult of the head, right? Yeah. You know. uh,
1: what is it? Sorry, I had to kick one of my dogs out of the bedroom.
2: Totally fine. Oh uh, come on. And whatever, but it's one of the sanctuaries. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Out. Uh, that was the sanctuary. I just want to make sure that that was the correct one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's that. However, um, again, we have cultural diffusion and we also have uh, um, the Hel- uh, Hellenic stuff that the Gauls loved. You know, they, uh, who said it? One of the ethnographers uh, pointed out that the Gauls had Helenophilia, which was a love for, you know, Greek stuff. And the Galatians were essentially uh, Greco-Gauls. You know, they were actually called Heleno-Galatians uh, by Greeks and then uh, Greci uh, or Gallo-Greci by Romans. Mm-hmm. So they definitely syncretized with that stuff and then obviously the gallo romans later on and the roman uh religions also had the Laris and um another set of household guardians slash ancestor cults there's also hero cults which uh greek religion had a really good foothold on um so yeah, it would be it would be really crazy if um, continental Celtic speaking peoples didn't have any ties to ancestor worship or hero worship. But again, they don't write things down. Thanks. I would say
1: it would make it easier for us.
2: Yep. Something something druids. You know something something. You're gonna you know have a bad memory if you don't write things down. Something something. Mm-hmm.
0: I know, and there's a couple of different Discord servers that like a constant, like, not a constant, but uh, like some server will do like a question of the week kind of a mm-hmm. discussion. And one that I've seen pop up frequently is if they did write stuff down, what would you want to know? You know, because <laughs> they just everything, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: all of the things just ever.
2: The- yeah, I don't care if it's a recipe for a really simple, like. Meat dish. I want that. Yeah.
1: I mean, like I, I don't care if it's some farmer jotting down uh, his harvest uh, schedule. Like I don't, I don't give a crap. I want it.
0: It can exactly. be teens' diary. I don't.
1: Care. <laughs> some angry Gaulish teenager. Today the Romans were mean to me.
2: I mean, they were in Egypt, they definitely had graffiti examples, you know, so it's like come on, guys, do better. Look,
1: I feel like it doesn't matter at what time in history uh, there were teenagers because they're all (laughs) terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't matter the when. (laughs) They're just all awful.
0: There was, um, you go first, wait oh sorry um something I, I like to tell coworkers is like there was like runic graffiti in like uh scandinavia like i think there was a cave that's so high up we'd have no idea how they got up there but there's a runic inscription that says this is high just yeah like
2: <laughs> so i <laughs> just so uh it was like an archaeologist on um twitter that posted this i gotta find it but it made me laugh because it was Instagram po- like fitness Instagram posting, like in ancient Greece. So, oh my god, it was just great. Let's see, <laughs> where is it? Yeah, so it's uh, it's a rock with uh, a Greek inscription that says, "Bybon son of Fola could lift this over his head." and it's a 300 pound rock so it is
1: in fact instagram fitness posting yep. via ancient greeks
2: yeah we we haven't changed that much nope.
1: good to know we had influencers then too
0: yep. <laughs> but it, to kind of tie things back to the ancestry thing um in some of my research I mean, uh, you know, Catholic Church obviously took a lot of things from paganism. One thing was kind of the hero ancestor thing with the, the veneration of saints and mm-hmm. things like that. Yep,
2: there I is a little bit of a there is a little bit of a difference with that, and um, the difference is within polytheism, you're going directly to those figures, whereas uh, saint worship isn't really worship. Um, what's happening is they're interceding. Uh, so you go to them and they go to God or Jesus, and because, you know, they have the ear of God essentially. Yeah. And there was a, there's a book called, um, ritual Pari- or what was it religion of God's, uh, ritual paradox by uh, name escapes me, but it's a really wonderful book and it points out a bunch of that type of stuff in there as well. Um, Specifically, how uh, prayer would get done in these theologies? Like, you would pray to this being, that being would pray to uh, X Y Z God, and then X Y Z God, being the head of their religion, would pray back, and that's how things would get done. So it was kind of interesting that. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's it is really interesting in how um, it just carried on from one 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 belief system to another but okay. just slightly slightly different
2: yep I feel
1: like that happens a lot though like that happens a lot <laughs> now where would you tie heroes into this do you would you consider um, the work of heroes to fall under ancestor worship
2: yeah, yeah, I would I would I would say um again I so hero the term hero I uh I take as the greek word for it so it's not I don't uh blah 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 I don't use the contemporary word for hero mm-hmm. you know so I don't mean necessarily um good virtuous person um you know like a superhero i don't mean that i would like that but the greek concept for hero is uh way different from you know what we would think mm-hmm. uh sometimes it just means spooky ghost that you you want to protect you you know there's an instance of a bunch of children who they were murdered somehow and the village or the town that you know this all happened in were very afraid that these children were going to come back if they didn't give them proper hero worship so they um you know made them into heroes so it's like if you have a spooky ghost who was murdered like you know those horror movies and everything where the murderer you know you know comes back from the dead and things like that i mean go to them if you need protection is what the greek way of doing things sometimes sometimes you know you know to appease them and that's what that would be like uh it's also um sometimes i
1: I leave candies out for him
2: there you go but um it it also can be um a singular ancestor that has done great things it can be um a superhero like person like achilles or the or you know heracles things like that so it's a very it's a it's a nebulous term it, encompass, uh, it encompasses a lot of you know different things but yeah so heroes for us i mean it's a little different obviously um because we don't we have to go through historical figures and um you know, for Gaulish stuff. And heroes are also very localized. So, uh, the Greek way of hero worship was, you know, uh, find a hero, establish a sort of, um, ancestry within that, uh, that hero scope. And that's how all the, uh, I'm trying to say exactly that would bind the community together and it would, uh, create a local identity, essentially. That's what Ralph, uh, Ralph Hustler would say. So yeah, it, it ties into the ancestral stuff very nicely. Awesome.
1: Sorry, I had to step away real quick and no, separate sure. my idiot dogs.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, some people have, um, taken to, uh, um, the obvious choice for Gaulish hero worship would be where King you know, uh, some have kind of shied away from him due to, uh, well, I mean, he did essentially push out a bunch of civilians and whatnot out of Alicia during that war and wouldn't let them back in. So a lot of people when considering hero worship didn't take to that. So it's kind of a 50, 50 on where King in terms of hero worship, but he would be an obvious one for a lot of people. Um, Carl obviously has a difficult, you know, uh, because he was the one who, who led the LIT um, uh, to Switzerland uh, away from Kaiser's forces. So he's a good example as well. For myself, um, there's uh, Buenaptos, who was the leader of the Narwi during uh, the Battle of the Cephas, and I haven't started giving cult to him yet, but he is on the docket, just because he's he's super cool. Like I mean, he, not just him, it's really the, the entirety of the Narwi, because there's not a lot written about Buenaptos, it's just really his name. But the Nerwi, um, in conjunction with Burnatos, are they almost defeated Kaiser? Like they were, they were really close. It was actually like a stroke of luck that uh, Kaiser actually uh, won, and he, uh, you know, he records this. He's like, they put up such a good fight, and they were so brave that whatever was left over of this tribe. Um, we made sure that we sent envoys to the neighboring tribes saying, Hey, do not mess with them. Otherwise you will get our wrath. You know, like imagine, you know, this, like Kaiser himself said, don't subjugate this tribe. They're going to be free and you leave them alone, you know, because of how brave they were. Like, that's crazy. No other Gaulish tribe really has that. And they were like, catching javelins midair and throwing them back wow you know yeah like Nori- you do <laughs> they, no they they were not messing around that's why i love the we and Blue i'm like that's that's trying to defend your homeland you know that's impressive it is it's it's just it's a really cool feat but yeah uh we do have historical figures obviously that we can go to for uh hero worship. Um, And ancestor worship, because again, uh, ancestor worship isn't necessarily about your bloodlines or anything. So you could start a, a cult to one of these heroes or historical figures. And if your community grows and everything, then it turns into a you know, uh, not a metaphor, but, you know, a poetic way of saying we're all descended from, you know, this ancestor and things like that. And you would be right. You, it, it wouldn't be biological descent, but you would be in the same cult towards it. So.
1: Okay. I have one, like I have my ancestor cultist that is just kind of generically my Daulish ancestors. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I have one specific one. Oh, there's a tiny human.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: I have one specific one that has been with me since I was a small child. Sure. Um, that I was afraid of because I didn't know what it was. Uh, and grew up in a very Christian household. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still with me. Oh, very nice. Yeah, um, I finally... Uh, Stopped my awesome avoidance tactic, which is my favorite way to deal with anything that makes me uncomfortable, is avoidance. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't get a name, but I got more impressions than what I've had previously. Uh, so that was, that was interesting, uh, terrifying, oh, yeah. but interesting. That little human looks unimpressed by the world. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's
0: not happy that mama is going to the, going to town without him. Oh, uh, well, that'll do he's it. have a little bit of a meltdown, so I have uh, he's, a, so he's just gonna
1: hang out with us.
2: I'll figure <laughs> out, Hi, buddy.
1: like, cover little <laughs> human's face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How old is he, Carl?
0: He is two years old. Ah, uh, I'm impressed that he's sitting there quietly. <laughs> <laughs> For now. He's starting to get wiggles. Already.
2: Oh, no, little wiggles.
0: <laughs> now,
1: Go
2: ahead. so i was also um considering uh Crixus from the third servile war if anyone's actually watched spartacus from stars you know the overly dramatized TV oh yeah show. No,
1: i love that show oh yeah no
2: absolutely it's 300 for tv who can't love that yes. um no it's it's awesome i that show i actually watch once a year in its entirety because because i love it but Crixus was actually probably one of the um the figures from that show that kind of inspired me, besides to like all the other Gaulish polytheists to look into like Gaulish history and polytheism things like that, because Crixus is awesome, you know. And you look at the history of Crixus and it's like he was Spartacus's um, second in command allegedly, and allegedly a good enough friend to inspire at his death, um, an entire, like, or like circus of gladiatorial events with captured Romans, things like that. So he was clearly important to Spartacus, but he led a bunch of slaves, you know, in the uh, third servile war, you know, against the Roman armies that were chasing them and Spartacus, it was trying to get across, uh, I want to say he was cutting across the Alps, so they were. It was a badly divided army, but it it, it might have been tactical. It might have been that Crixus was trying to raid or whatever. But I do want to start giving a call to crixus just because he's a he's a famous call who you know uh, led an army of slaves who got their freedom, and I I feel that would be a really good option for like social justice things like that. Ooh, yeah, and of course my. And of course, my my uh, all time favorite invention, the athletic cult, because he's a gladiator. And as much as I would love to have photos of Manu Bennett on a shrine, you know, the guy who plays Crixus, I did already make art you from and him. So.
1: Most women.
2: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, but yeah, so he's he's in the lineup as well. You know, it's unfortunate that we don't have a lot of uh, Gaulish gladiator names um, on record, but he's one of them. So he's getting he's getting some screen time soon. But
0: yeah, I, I was watching a, a YouTube channel called uh, Kings and Generals, and I know some people have been kind of skeptical of it. I mm-hmm. personally enjoy it, um, but uh, they 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 did do a video on the Third survival War, mm-hmm. and uh, so I do, yeah, I remember hearing about uh, Krixos through that. Mm-hmm
2: oh yeah but yeah we also um yeah like like i said we don't have a terrible amount of attested stuff for for ancestor uh worship on the continental celtic side but we do have later instances in insular stuff but also with breton stuff so obviously we have sawing uh, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big um, it's pretty big on ancestor worship during that time uh, uh, yeah Welsh, uh, Welsh stuff also has ancestor stuff with Sky and Gif um, and uh, yeah, we also have the Breton stuff during uh, their time of the dead essentially but they also have something that's super interesting <coughs> which might be a survival of Ancestor Cult. Uh, ah, Cat, what are you doing? But let's see here. Yeah, he's just going to keep doing this, so whatever. Asshole. (laughs) But we have the author um, W.Y. Evan Lentz, who asserts that while a lot of the insular celtic peoples have fairy faith that the uh the bretons have the cult of the dead and they have the um essentially the bay of the dead where uh during their new years uh the anku would gather up all the dead and transport them to that you know that place as well and there's also instances where uh I think a Breton uh, Seerus, according to the same author, says that the dead are all around them, you know, ever present in their lives. So there's definitely something there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Carl, you got any questions down there? Um, I'm trying to remember the ones I'd written down. Your cat would like to be part
2: of this. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, you, <sighs> yeah. Uh, on my
0: um, on my altar, I actually have a, a carving of uh, Agnios because uh, I, I feel that he would be a good represent- representation <coughs> of uh, ancestor and uh, hero cultists um,
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And and I think that and like that does link to uh, again, you know, Greek again because of um, you know Agnios very you know. Similarities to uh, Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I, and I think I think. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, keep going, keep on. Oh, uh, but uh, but uh, feels like it's more. I mean, you know, we don't have any direct attest. We don't have any direct attestations of uh, of uh, ancestor hero worship, but Agnus is probably I would I would say is probably the closest thing we have.
2: Yeah. I... I could definitely see uh, him being uh, one of the closest examples, especially if you go through uh, Diodorus, who says that Heracles is um, the uh, mythical ancestor of all the Gauls, you know, because we, um, we, we have Kaisar who says, uh, probably through Poseidon uh, that Despater is the, uh, you know, the father of all the Gauls, mythically. Yeah, but then you have <clears throat> again. You have Diodorus and Partenios, uh that say that Heracles is the uh, mythical ancestor. And yeah, no, I, I would definitely say you're in the the right direction with that. So, All right. got
0: anything else, Brenda? No,
1: nope, I'm good. <laughs> All right, it's going
2: to be a think, short episode. I, I All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I might have something else. Hold on. Oh, uh, okay. The... I, mean,
0: I had, like oh, yeah. Okay. And...
2: Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So um, this actually ties into to my stuff as well, because I use Procopius to um, extrapolate a, a Belgic afterlife, essentially. Mm-hmm because Procopius during that time was going around uh, the lands that the Franks ruled and the people underneath the Franks, he mentioned the people uh, ruled by the Franks, which probably around that time were romano gaulish people um, at that time, possibly. And the uh, people on the coast around uh, had this, Uh, belief which was they imagine the souls of the dead are transported to that island on the coast of the continent there dwell under frankish uh, sovereignty but here though hitherto uh, exempt from all taxation fishers and farmers whose duty it is to ferry the souls over this duty they take in turn those to whom it falls on any night go to bed at dusk at midnight they hear a knocking at their door and muffled voices calling Immediately they rise, go to shore, and they see empty boats, not their own, but strange ones. They go on board and seize the oars. When the boat is underway, they perceive that she is laden, chokeful full with her gunwales, hardly a finger's breadth above, uh, above water. Yet they see no one, and in an hour's time, they touch land, which one of their own craft would take a day and a night to do. Arrived at Britia the boat speedily unloads and becomes so light that she only dips her keel in the wave, neither on the voyage nor at landing. Do they see anyone, but they hear a voice loudly asking each one, his name and country. And that, um, definitely, uh, you know, locks horns with the Breton stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's pretty much a direct parallel to that. In fact, John Cook, uh, assumes that Britia might actually be a, um, a proto form of, uh, Brittany in its indigenous name. Uh, I think it's praise, but it might've been a protoform of praise. So at least I think that's how you pronounce it. If there are any Breton speakers and I'm butchering everything and I'm getting the language and the country mix up, I'm very, very sorry so
0: that's, that's basically what we do on this podcast is butcher we we butcher all of the languages <laughs> uh sure. including I, english it's fine we uh i don't know how many episodes back it was but we did one where we had to, oh it was gaulish history because we had, to, we had oh my gosh there's names. so many names speaking people in the world because yep.
2: oh, it was bad but yeah, so the, um, yeah, the account of Procopius obviously parallels the, the Breton stuff. So, and if the, the Breton stuff is more modern, uh, I would say it's a, it's a survival, essentially, of that. So that's also an instance where we can say, yeah, they probably had some sort of uh, maintenance of the dead, um, ancestor, veneration, things like that, belief that the dead are around us, you know, interacting with us so yeah uh that's what i would say about that feed your dead you know that's kind of the that's the greek way feed your dead make sure they don't um you know go hungry or crazy and try to kill you
0: that's the
1: uh the latin way as well oh yeah and the russian way i actually think it's most ways
0: Yep. I, don't, I don't. I think it's the Philippines or Malaysia. I don't know. There's a country in Southeast Asia where they will literally exhume their their mm-hmm. ancestors and their their, their dead and literally walk them around, and it is horrifying to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. But oh, yeah. But you know, to each their own. If that's what they like, that's what they want to do. Oh, for sure.
2: I mean, if it if it's a prescribed method over years, who am I to judge?
0: Yeah, that's totally hey, cool. If it keeps
1: them from uh, getting angry. <laughs> oh,
0: no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wouldn't go to those lengths, but yeah, sure. <laughs> well, uh, say that I now should...
1: until someone wakes you up every night at 2 a.m., terrifying you
0: on <laughs> repeat. Oh, yeah. It's called children. <laughs> <laughs> He there. the little guy that has literally woke me up by dumping aftershave on my face. Where he oh. got it, I don't know, but he got it. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, probably yeah. uh probably good to move on to the virtue the virtue for this episode. Yeah, so we
1: uh we do we're doing virtues, and as we go through them, we're just kind of going group by group. <laughs> um, so we, this is the last one for Tauta Glassian, and it is uh I'm gonna mispronounce this. Uh, which is modesty honesty
2: uh, how's it spelled
1: uh u-e-l-i-a with an accent mark
2: so um using second models uh vowels to be uh uh let's see yeah so well yeah because yeah, the that? Because the, um, the U, um, usually if a U is before a vowel, it'll be a consonant. So think about like a W, you know, especially if it's the beginning of the word. You could probably say, well, yeah, or yeah. yeah. So, and then the, the accent above that, it'll just elongate the vowel a little bit. So, well, yeah. But yeah, that's, what I'll, that's how I feel. Sagamonus like would probably pronounce it since I probably. use these vowels.
1: I feel like he probably doesn't listen to our podcast because we
2: just not so many <laughs> words. You know, I honestly, I, I think he, he probably would if you presented it to him because he's <laughs> such a sweet guy. You know, he's he is he is such a nice
1: every, You're supposed every, to be better behaved at, right now than this. Every
2: time I've sent him uh, anything, you know, he's always gave me good feedback and um, has read it at least within an hour or maybe the next day. So he's, yeah. he's oh, such he, a sweetheart. He,
0: he is. He, he, when I was uh, first getting my golf name together, he, um, he helped me with that and he didn't have to. No, mean, for he sure. very, no, he was very, no, he was very, he's very, very patient. Yeah. Very patient, very hands-on and mm-hmm. he, he helped me out big time.
2: Yeah. It's a shame because I got rid of my Facebook, which means I got rid of most of like my way of contacting him because, uh, Facebook is incredibly toxic. So, and he's not that's really
1: secretly toxic. It's just toxic.
2: Oh yeah. No, Absolutely. But yeah, that was my main way of communicating with him. So now I'm just kind of, less unless he's still on Discord once in a while. But that's good. Not have-
1: frequently, but he is on it.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I, I was holding eleven because
1: I- he um, behaves better if I do. Oh, sure. And it just occurred to me that my mic has not been plugged in, and so my recording <laughs> is really terrible.
0: No, I haven't been on Facebook much either, or really any social media, <laughs> just...
2: Yeah,
1: I'm on TikTok, but that's about it. Same. And I post pictures of flowers on Instagram.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very right, happy same. with my garden. All right, so, Wellia is modesty or honesty. We believe that Wellia is to be proud but not prideful while maintaining true humility and honest, proper intent and compassion for the things you do to improve the community and heart. So...
0: Ardo, buddy, you're up. Um, this is one I, I, I'd use quite a bit. I try to be, I mean, Mossy, honestly, you kind of, co- you know, combine this together, you get like humility, uh, which is something that, you know, I, I try to apply in, in my, my life all the time. Cause it just seems like whenever I get prideful, um, whether it's the gods of the universe, whatever, comes crashing down on me and puts me in my place. <laughs> but, uh, it's it's good it's it's good to to have that that virtue to kind of anchor you down and kind of getting ahead of yourself uh just in various um situations life throws at you yeah yeah, yeah. or not that
1: one's uh that one's a little more straightforward and simplistic than than we usually do
0: yeah it's it's pretty yeah it's pretty <laughs> cool. yeah
1: do you anything you want to add stuff
2: not really. I uh, in terms of modesty, I mean, I, I do try to stay humble as much as I can. You know, it, I like giving credit where credit is due. Like, uh, you know, my friend Donald Davos, otherwise known as uh, far wild, uh, far Water to everyone else. You know, he's uh, he's been a huge help, um, especially with the language especially since, um, I used to go to Segemonos a lot for the language, but, uh, I just, I kept feeling bad about going to him all the time. So like, all right. And then Don took over the language department for a lot of people. And, you know, um, there's been quite a few influences, uh, Kasana, whenever she writes or, uh, Brune, whenever she, um, comes up you know i'll I'll always give them as much credit as i possibly can or ben my my dude ben who helped me actually set up the the original website you know so yeah anyone who comes in and has even a slight like hand in it try to stay humble and give them as much credit because they deserve it too but Uh,
0: yeah absolutely and your your site's great i mean i've i've used it quite a bit in in a lot of my research and
2: well thank
1: you i use it too
0: yeah, I mean I I, uh, I mean not just for this episode but for um, like I said I'm, I'm writing a, a thing myself for Ancestral and hero worship mm-hmm. and I your site was the first one I went to and it's been very very influential um, and, and, and like and actually on a similar topic uh, so I, I have a blog I have a blog you know website thing oh yeah I know and yep. I know you know but not everyone who listens. oh yeah <laughs> Uh, but I, I had someone, um, Freyson, uh, who kind of uh, found me on Discord and was kind of fanboying out, and I was like, it, "It's, it's uh, it, I'm just a person, and I appreciate." Oh it. yeah. It, oh, and now, you um, just um, nerds. And, What? <laughs> well, uh, so him and I have been talking about it. Now, now him and I are working together because he's more, uh, you know, he's got, he's definitely has some um, uh, Gaulish, uh, Gaulish work but because he is from Switzerland, oh. uh, him and I have been able to, um, uh, you know, exchange a lot of information because oh. I haven't even That's been cool. there, but it's done, it's a mm-hmm. great passion of mine. He's f- from there. He lives in Texas now. Why you would live in Texas? I don't know. But, um, it's warmer. But there's Ted Cruz's running around. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, so now uh, he went from like, and I, and I could have been like a dick to him. I could have been, you know, stayed in that, you know, above him but no I, I i wanted to bring him up you know i you know be on the same level as him because that's mm-hmm. where we are and now uh he's helped me quite a bit and i'm going to start as i've been writing as i start writing more into like alemannic
1: and uh, mm-hmm.
0: swebian uh stuff yeah. which is very much his expertise uh right. i'll definitely be giving him credit there as well
2: yeah you know that that's actually a good point was um because i have i don't have they're with me um brun and kasana who are actually from belgic lands and there have been other um people out uh, in like the netherlands or belgium too that have contacted me and been like oh we love your stuff thank you so much for doing this and there's like another blog that has referenced me a few times and she's that person's also from there and that's super humbling too just because like you know i'm not as familiar with that history as someone who was born on that land. So like having people actually from that land who speak um, the different modern languages from there, know the history and the folklore, come to like, we totally vibe with this. And thank you for like, you know, doing this and like just inspiring us. Is like, you know what, thank you. You guys are great. So
0: yeah, exactly because uh yeah Frayson, Frecen, someone i work with very closely now but i've had other mm-hmm. pe- people from switzerland um tell me like oh wow yeah we love your stuff it's, yeah. it's like wow yeah oh yeah it's, it's... i what, um,
1: you, what, what do you i know uh, I, I i'm not that cool <laughs> <laughs> I have a blog. I sometimes update it. It's usually about Drew being a, a the the wee baby on the path of Druidry, um, and uh, not a great writer. Uh, I am an excellent every man.
2: <laughs>
1: Pretty much it. I am. Uh, I'm good at breaking things down to a um, uh, a baby polytheist level. Um, or asking questions that I know young polytheists would ask, uh, but that's more or less it. I just sort of, I'm like, oh, hey, guys, that's that is very complicated. Can we come <laughs> down? You're a, lot better,
0: you're a lot better coming up with questions on the spot than I am.
1: That is um, 10 years of working at University of Phoenix and um, learning how to ask open-ended questions because I don't know what to say. Uh, and they teach us how to do that <laughs> 10 years of customer service. That's what that is, selling, <laughs> selling terrible, crappy college at an overly ridiculous cost, <laughs> but thank you <laughs> literally from work <laughs> that, and I was always the child that asked why, uh, 900 oh, times till I understood yeah. what somebody meant for sure. I told you DeBranos, he'll say something and I'll be like, but well, why?
2: <laughs> you're, you're Mindy from uh, Animaniacs.
1: Yes. No. I, I, want, I want to ask people why until they figure out how to break it down to an understandable oh. level, even if I already understand it, which I frequently do because I'm actually pretty smart. Um, but uh, one of the things that we run across very... Um, frequently in polytheist circles, um, serious polytheist circles, is complicated explanations for simplistic ideas. Oh, yeah. And it is an excellent way to um, make people not want to dive deeper. mm mm-hmm. um, And so it's, it takes a lot of patience. Uh, it takes a lot of... Um, like understanding that you're gonna have to deal with somebody going, boo, why? I don't understand. How come? Yeah. Where can yeah. you show me that reference? Tell me what to tell me where to go. Tell me what to go read. I'm gonna come back with 19 more questions. Oh yeah. Um, because especially in Gaulish polytheism where everything is so academic.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like there's
1: there's yeah, so but- much that I just looked at my first because I've only been a Gallic polytheist for oh, a year. Yep. Um, and it was overwhelming at first, so I just started asking questions like a fucking five-year-old. But why? Oh, yeah. How come? <laughs> I don't understand. Can you explain that differently? How does Event- that relate to this?
2: Eventually, um, you will get to the point where if there is a question that can either be answered with A or B, the answer will be yes.
1: Not yeah.
2: <laughs> there, that'll be that'll be the thing. You'll be like, "Well, is it you know we reincarnate, or is it that we go to a blessed isle, or is it that we go to the realm of the gods after we die?" Yes. One. <laughs> yep, and that'll that'll be the that'll be every single thing because you're you're gonna look at like regions and time. You'll be like uh they say this thing but it might have transformed into this or maybe it was a survival and maybe it was culturally diffused and you're like i don't care all of it whatever it's fine you know because it, yeah. it's like it's one of those things where you look at the gallo romans because a lot you know let me start on Gaulish polytheism too like <clears throat> a lot of us will be like "Boo rome and um you know try to like separate all the, the influence and everything but then we realize is like no there a lot of these cultures were diffused and syncretized and like melded all over the place and the thing about that too um is cultures change you know so yeah, you, well,
1: and on top of that like the concept of borders was a lot less firm mm-hmm. um and a lot of people forget about the 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 social the the social aspect of humanity which is i traveled x distance which you know let's say a hundred miles and i was there for a year and i liked x y and z that we don't have Mm -hmm. at home so i'm going to take x y and z home with me and
2: Mm -hmm. that's exactly it
1: with my tribe
2: exactly so you got to look at the gallo romans and be like so just because they're gallo romans do they do they not have tribal affiliations anymore? And it's like you look at the epigraphic examples. It's like, oh, of course they do. They're still, they're still Nervians. They're still um, Averni. Uh, you know, just because they become Romanized, it doesn't mean they're any less Gaul. You know, they're not half and half. They're two things at once. You know? exactly. So it's, so yeah, it's, you know, eventually you get to that point where you're just like, it says this. Do you like this? Yes? Okay. Well, then do that. If you don't like it, don't do it. You don't have to do it. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so, yeah, for me, it's, um, I, Wellia it doesn't really come up because I'm not one of those people who's super involved in building and structure and things like that. I'm just more the person who's going to ask the same dumb question six different ways to get a clearer answer. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, and I think that's, I think that's great. We, any type of virtues that we come up with, uh, we're not all going to have them um, in our life right away. If sometimes maybe not at all. Sometimes we'll just double down on certain things. So I think that's totally fine.
1: Well, uh, I think that that is it for us this month. Uh, So we apologize that we (laughs) skipped the entire month of May because life happened and it didn't work.
2: Uh, Yes, it did. Yes, it did.
1: But you can find us on uh, all of the social medias, usually under uh, Gallcast or Gallcast Podcast. Uh, The information will also be below as well as all of Selg's information and, uh, and whatnot.
0: Uh, definitely check out his, his site. Uh, Best's gun. It is, there's a lot of cool stuff there. He's even got a red bubble. So check that thing out. You get a red bubble.
2: Yeah. It's on my Instagram. I, I put that in, uh, as the link on there. So if you, if you do post the Instagram, it should be on there. So. All right. Cool.
1: Um, so we will uh, put all of that information in the about box below. Uh, otherwise, thank you for joining us. I am Brenna Gara and my partner in crime is?
0: I'm Artokanos.
1: And thank you again, Seb, for joining us. We really appreciate
0: it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Definitely Um... have you on again for when we uh, cover the tradition. (laughs)